0: Lana Del Rey is back in hot water over her latest album art, the 17 year old taking over the Spotify charts, and the call me by your name star who is said to engage with cannibalistic tendencies.
1: We're media slashies Maggie and Jasmine, and this is our weekly chat about pop culture, current affairs, the internet, and our lives.
0: We would like to acknowledge that the Wurundjeri, Turrbal, and Woon Wurrung people are the traditional custodians of the land upon which we live work and record this podcast.
1: We pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land.
0: With Invasion Day coming up, we would like to remind you that January 26th is a day of mourning, not a day of celebration.
1: For more information, we recommend following Clothing the Gap, Pay the Rent and Artist Senator Briggs, all linked in the show notes below.
0: It's been a big week for you, Maggie. You have moved
1: house. Mm -hmm. What was that like? I was told by somebody that moving house ranks up there with life's most stressful experiences. And I stand by that. (laughs) Um, My family hadn't moved house for about eight years. So we, you know, we accumulated so much stuff and it was a bit hectic, but I'm now settled into my new room recording from my new desk and everything. So It's pretty exciting, like you said, like being in a new space and everything. And you're moving back to Melbourne this week. I'm so excited. Finally, um, the restrictions have been
0: downgraded. So now we're considered an orange zone. So that just means that I have to get a permit and then get a test within three days. So I'll just go back, Mm -hmm. like I fly in in the evening and I'll just go straight to a testing center, get tests, isolate until I get the results. And then I'm back and good to go, good to see people and see you and record in the same space. Maybe not every week, but (laughs) quite often. I'm just excited to be home. Like I've loved my time in Brisbane and it's definitely kind of made me appreciate Brisbane more, but I'm also keen to get back to my own life
1: i think seeing you and a few other people we follow living in brisbane has made me really want to visit and i think brisbane has always had that um reputation as being like bris vegas being a little bit how do we describe it like bogan are you gonna say yeah i was just literally (laughs) gonna say bogan Bogan's fine though, you know. I feel like being like like the like the criticism about uh, the criticism against Bogan is like classes. Let's be honest. Mm. So embrace it, you know. It's part of Aussie culture. Um, but I so want to visit. Um, one of our friends who listens, Rochelle, stayed at the Kelly Hotel um, a couple of weeks ago.
0: The Khalil, <gasps> sorry.
1: The <Not> Khalil, <laughs> sorry. Not the Kelly. Okay. Um, but he looks so gorgeous. It's so beautiful. Like,
0: I've been there for drinks before, but I really want to stay there. It's so nice.
1: Mm-hmm. I want to go there just to go to the hotel. Like, I don't even need to explore Brisbane. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, Brisbane's cool. It's like it's got its own kind of like alternative scene going on, and there's lots mm. of like art happening. It's really laid back compared to Melbourne. Obviously, I have enjoyed it. And then like, this week we went down to the Gold Coast to the beach, which was like 40 minute to an hour drive. So it was nice to kind of have the best of both worlds. Like have the city, but then also be able to like enjoy a nice beach that isn't like one of the bays in Melbourne (laughs) it's Mm. such a different vibe (laughs) apart from you moving house I wanted to ask you as well how is Veganuary going
1: it's going really well so for listeners who don't know I'm doing Veganuary this month which is basically I'm trying to be plant-based in my diet I'm actually doing like a sponsored collab with Fry's Family Food and it's just it's not being as hard as I thought it would be like I'm someone who's babied I live at home my mother cooks for me so I'm not I don't cook my own dinners and um most nights so it's been a new learning experience doing that as well as like doing my own grocery shopping I know just basic adult things I know I feel like I can see the disdain in your face (laughs) no (laughs) no um but it has been really fun like I haven't really missed out on that many foods except yesterday um, at the supermarket I was like craving all these things and I was getting angry and also I was PMSing like the other week and that was when the cravings were worse but apart from that I've enjoyed so many yummy vegan foods and it's something I can definitely see myself eating more of afterwards
0: and I saw on Instagram as well that you are still eating honey why yeah. have you decided to like not include honey
1: it was interesting. I've read a couple articles that were like, you know, if you don't eat honey, well, then might as well don't eat avocados because bees help harvest or whatever those. pollinate. Pollinate. And personally, okay, so this is my justification at the moment. Um, I'm not buying honey. I've just already got honey in my house. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one. And then secondly, I just know quite a few vegans who also eat honey and they've got their reasons for it so I kind of was like okay if it's all good for them mm-hmm. um, but in the past I've had like rice malt syrup and that's been great and if I was to buy honey again I'd probably just opt for that one because I can't really tell a difference
0: yeah no, that's super interesting yeah I just saw I was wondering because mm. everyone's different I guess the basics are no eggs no dairy Obviously, no mm. meat. No, interesting. I'm keen to hear your thoughts like when you finish it.
1: Thanks.
0: Also, I wanted to ask you this week if you have been listening like the rest of the internet and the world to Olivia Rodrigo's new song, Driver's License.
1: You know I have. I've got it in my head as we speak right now. You know, the, the incredible bridge. I, I literally just like jump the like, red, red lights. So I can hear her. Oh.
0: Yeah, all day. My head is just like... Oh, the emotion. I saw a really good tweet that was like Driver's License is a Lord cover of a Taylor Swift song.
1: Oh my god. So
0: true, right?
1: I do love that. But yes, it's just taken over the world by storm in a matter of a few days. Um she's only 17 years old. She didn't really have any other songs out before this, did she? This was like her debut song.
0: It's her debut solo, I guess. So mm-hmm. like she had the songs um from the high school musical okay so we should probably explain if you don't know who she is she is an actress on high school musical the musical which is i hadn't even like thought about it until this week Mm -hmm. i just thought it was like a kid's version of high school musical but it's like they go to the school they go to east high school we go to school in the place they filmed high school musical we have to honor it let's do a musical of the movie so it's super meta right it's so ridiculous. She this Olivia, she plays Gabriella in the mm-hmm. series. Um and then in the musical, sorry. Oh my god, it's so confusing. She plays it's Gabriella so in the music. musical in the series. <laughs> the person who the song is about, supposedly, is her co star who plays Troy in the musical <gasps> Joshua Bassett, that's it.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: you know this backstory don't you
1: i didn't know the names of like the new actors but um that's spicy i do like that i remember when that like the first trailer dropped for high school musical the musical and it was just so funny i didn't realize it'd been released and everything um i think it's on disney Mm plus yeah yeah it's like gen z
0: High School musical but the trailer looks good um looks quite funny and like self-aware which is good but yeah so she this is her first like Solo song, and it's just blown up on TikTok. Everyone's talking about it, and at the time of recording, it's got (gasps) 99,295,317 streams just on Spotify.
1: No way, that's basically a million billion. And it was
0: released on the 8th, so nine days ago, and it's had 99 million streams. I was listening to it on maybe Wednesday, and I had like Mm. 13 million or something and even that was incredible Mm. so she's just broken all these records she's number one in australia number one around the world so good for her Mm -hmm. good for her yeah Yeah. i'm glad to see what else she'll do
1: yeah i feel bad because the first two times i listened to it i was quite underwhelmed apart from that bridge but i've literally just played it over and over again and I've loved it more each time I also watched a music video which I really enjoyed as well I love that she just kind of like heart on her sleeve shows teen angst and kind of the emotions especially embodied by at least for me like female teenagers that kind of love and heartbreak that's I don't know I just I just love that unbridled emotion I guess it's just so pure and so raw Mm -hmm. you know
0: Yeah, and I think it's a type of heartbreak that you might only get in your teens, early 20s. You know, it's just like your first heartbreak from your first love and he was supposed to wait for her until she was 18 and then he was with another woman. And, yeah, it's like I think the backstory as well is adding to the
1: star power of the song. Can you tell me a little bit about that because I actually don't know all the costs?
0: Yeah, so the backstory is – that, um, so obviously she's underage and Joshua Bassett is 20, and they were on the show together. And apparently, they were together, they were dating, but yeah. didn't want to go public with it because she's underage. Um, and so then the theory was that he would wait for her. He told her he'll wait, f- I'll wait for you until you're wow. 18, and then we can be public and be a couple. But he started dating Sabrina Carpenter, who is ah. 21. Oh yeah. my goodness. So that's why Olivia is heartbroken. But I saw a really funny TikTok that was like him in the mirror or like a boy in the mirror filming. And it's like Joshua Bassett getting hated all over the internet for not wanting to date a minor. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Lol, true though. Oh my goodness. Um, Drake should take a note out of his book. Who? Drake, Do you say? Drake. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ugh, yuck. Awkward
0: yeah so that's the story of the most popular song in the world right now and yeah it was just so funny all the memes and tiktoks of like being like me being a 24 year old adult getting so invested in like teenage drama
1: from high school Mm -hmm. school.
0: just full circle from when i was like 10
1: yeah i'm invested and i'm just learning about it right now Before we get into the next topic, we would like to put a content warning for sexual violence and domestic abuse. We'll put some resources in the show notes below.
0: I'll bet you didn't have Hollywood star revealed to have a cannibalism fetish on your 2021 bingo card, but here we are. If you've been anywhere near the internet this week, you'll know that it's emerged that Call Me By Your Name star, Army Hammer, has cannibalistic tendencies as multiple women have come out sharing graphic messages from the star.
1: It all first started with Instagram account, House of Effie, who claimed to have had a four-year affair with the married actor. This account shared screenshots reportedly dating back to 2016, speaking about drinking blood and describing very graphic sexual violence. Some of
0: the messages said, I am 100% accountable. I want to eat you. Others saying, you just live to obey me and be my slave. I will own you. If I wanted to cut off one of your toes and keep it with me in my pocket so I always had a piece of you in my possession. And more. Since the alleged screenshots have been published, House of Effie alleges that five other women had consensual affairs with Hammer.
1: The account said, women approached me with their affair stories as we talked overwhelmed with grief for days and nights without sleeping or eating, with some ending up in ER. We collectively decided we have to speak out after how we were treated and seeing how the women in 2020 were being treated by him. We cannot allow more women to endure what we are going through in the future.
0: These screenshots came out and many people were thinking like, okay, this is just
1: his kink and this
0: is just like a sexual consensual thing. But then Some more pictures have started to emerge this week with some, like, weird things going on. So there was a post of ARMY slicing a whole pig's head up. I felt physically ill when I saw Mm. this poor pig um, on a chopping board. Its head, like, sliced in half. You could see everything. Um, And then there was another tweet where he's bragging about being able to slice meat off the bone from the bone to a chef at a restaurant, the chef was like, Oh my God, you must be like another chef. You know how to carve that so well. And he's just like bragging about it. Um, So I feel like if you think about these things independently, you're kind of like a bit weird, but like whatever, but now it's all come together and yeah, it's a whole thing. So in response to the screenshots and allegations Army has responded by stepping down from his new movie, which was set to start filming next month, called Shotgun Wedding with J-Lo. And he's going to spend some more time with his children as he's also going through a very messy divorce from his wife of 10 years he said in a statement to Variety, quote, I'm not responding to these bullshit claims, but in light of the vicious and spurious online attacks against me, I cannot, in good conscience, now leave my children for four months to shoot a film in the Dominican Republic. Lionsgate is supporting me in this, and I'm grateful to them for that. He is now in the Cayman Islands with his children. So there's been a million memes and TikToks made about this as well. Like there's been lots of jokes over the course of the week and I understand why, like it's such a wild story, and I've definitely been participating in that. But things have taken a much more serious tone when Army's ex-girlfriend from last year, Courtney Vucekovich, came out saying she wouldn't be surprised if the screenshots are real, and that Army said he wanted to break my rib, barbecue, and eat it. Your face,
1: <laughs> you look so shocked. I know. Sorry, it's so disturbing. Like, I think cannibalism is one of the most taboo Mm. topics um in society and I think that's why it's it it feels so icky hey um that's why I'm kind of squirming Mm. in my chair right now (laughs) I'm gonna love building my throat this whole time yeah
0: um and I've seen I read an article on Rolling Stone about this and they actually spoke to a um like dominatrix um woman who's an expert in BDSM and she was saying that it's not uncommon for kind of blood and alluding to cannibalism as a fetish because it's about control mm-hmm. and it's like a power dynamic thing. So she said in from the screenshots, this just seems like a very dom rather than sub behaviour. Um, mm-hmm. But she also noted that it definitely crossed a line when um, they were talking about much more like rape and non-consensual situations. And so this expert on BDSM said that, you know, he's crossed the line here and it's getting into sexual violence, which is obviously wrong. So I don't agree with people who are saying this is kink shaming. Like you can do whatever you want in the privacy of your bedroom with people who are consenting, but when it becomes violent and there's a
1: power shift, I think
0: that's a whole different ballgame.
1: Exactly. Some of the screenshots I read from House of Effie was this one woman coming out and saying that she'd been talking to him for quite a while and basically he was like the quote was something like the fun starts when there aren't any safe words and you know she had the intelligence to actually ask one of her friends who is a dom and she's like hey does this sound right and he was like no not at all like and then she got out of there and allegedly sent or whatever but um yeah That's not good. Yeah. So
0: his ex said that it was weird when he mentioned breaking her rib, but you never think about it again. He says, I want to take a bite out of you. If I had a little cut on my hand, he'd like suck it or lick it. That's about as weird as we got. But then she also said in this article that the relation became emotionally abusive saying he enters your life in such a big way he's such a captivating person he has such a presence and he's aware of that and he uses it in such a way that most women would think oh my gosh this is amazing but especially young women that's kind of the scary part how good he is at active manipulation and making you feel like he's never felt this way about anybody she was saying that he grooms you in the relationship he's captivating charming um and he does all this that to create situations that become darker, heavier, and more consuming. Um, And also that he's a chameleon who transforms into exactly who you need to be. Quote, he sucks out all of the goodness you have left. That's what he did to me. I gave and gave and gave until it hurt.
1: Yeah, and then she said that eventually his behavior turned obsessive. At one point they spent three weeks together, twenty-four-seven, and when they weren't together, he would text her a hundred times per day. Interestingly, this wasn't just like a physical and emotional abusive relationship. She also talked about how he abused her financially. And apparently, at one point, she found herself paying for everything, including gas for his truck because he was allegedly broke. Quote It's a full time job when you're with him the way that I was. I was trying to catch my breath the entire time I was with him. You're drowning in this dark hole trying to stay afloat. There will be random moments of good that convince you to stay. So this couple broke up last year and following the breakup, Courtney's
0: mental health declined so much. She ended up having panic attacks and had to check herself into a 30 day hospitalization for PTSD and trauma. And then since the spotlight has been on him again, some more comments have been dug up talking about his wife in Playboy in 2013 saying, quote, I like the grabbing of the neck and the hair and all that but then you get married and your sexual appetites change. And I mean that for the better. It's not like I'm suffering in any way, but you can't really pull your wife's hair. It gets to a point where you say, I respect you too much to do these things that I kind of want to do. This quote made my blood literally boil. There is so much wrong with this whole thing. Can we start with sexual
1: appetite? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sorry. sorry.
0: (laughs) The fact that he said that. So... This quote, I feel, kind of encapsulates this power dynamic that men can also have. It plays into the Madonna-whore complex. So the Madonna-whore complex is where a man desires a sexual partner who has been degraded or the whore, and then they can't desire their respected partner who's the Madonna. So it, you see it a lot in um, rape culture anyway when you know, a man can sleep with 50, um, people. And if, um, a teenage girl has slept with two other people, she's considered dirty, a whore, whatever. It's like that double standard. So men either want a saint or a slut basically. there's so much, there's so many like things in these words, like this is like Mm. a kind of, I think, dated name for something like Mm. whore. I don't know. We're going into a whole different thing here, but It does just show that he doesn't respect the women he has rough sex with, which also ties back into all these allegations against him about, like, getting rid of consent and pushing the boundaries and, yeah, just being super um,
1: powerful. There was a great Twitter thread that you found by a user called Sung, and I'll read a bit from it now. So they said, no discourse, but Army Hammer is a man who said he prefers rough sex, but stopped wanting it with his wife because that's the mother of his children and he grew to respect her too much. That's what needs unpacking the relationship between desire and power and respect, not kink. If your experience of pleasure is antithetical to your ability to consider someone worthy of respect, you are replicating the actual violence you want to and do get away with. That is not kink. That is misogyny. And I'm not interested in bringing up BDSM where it does not belong.
0: Yeah, I feel like this sums up this whole situation so well, is that I don't think Army Hammer is literally murdering people and eating them. You know, people have run with the cannibalism thing. It's more the fact that he's just a raging misogynist and he's saying he doesn't respect, he doesn't want to have rough sex with the mother of his children. But like, that's that whole thing of like, I don't respect women if they do this or if they do that. It's like, if you're having consensual rough sex, that's your business. And like, as long as the power is balanced and, you know, everything is consensual, then no one, there's no one's business, but like to say that to have these affairs, um, and then, you know, say he doesn't want to have pull his wife's hair, like that's just a whole other issue. And I think that is what is so shocking and worrying and why we should believe these women is that we're not laughing over the fact that, oh, Armihan is a cannibal, but it's like he's emotionally and probably physically abusing these women and he that needs to stop.
1: Another thing that you brought up is that he comes from incredible privilege, which I didn't know of either. So, his great grandfather, Dr. Ahmed Hammer, was an oil tycoon who ran Occidental Petroleum. So, when he died in 1990, he was reportedly worth around 200 million, which in today's money is nearly 400 million.
0: Army um, is also the son of businessman Michael Amentama and his wife Drew Ann Mobley. And Army um, grew up in Dallas and then the Cayman Islands, which is where he is now. But that's also infamous for being a tax haven for many, many wealthy people. So obviously he's from old money, which I think again is really important to note because it's a power thing. He would already be super powerful being the grandson of an oil tycoon let alone adding hollywood fame into it in 2009 when he was about 21 he was in a vanity fair spread called fortune's children so it was 38 heirs and heiresses including ivanka trump and jared kushner heralded as quote the next generation of some of the world's greatest fortunes so this isn't just like oh he's a wealthy actor it's like he is Mm. from old money his family have millions and billions of dollars like he couldn't he didn't need to work basically um also mm-hmm. makes it more interesting why his ex-girlfriend was saying he was allegedly broke and making her pay for everything when i uh, you know you don't know anyone's situation maybe he was cut off maybe they lost all their money but you know it does seem very odd and i think that plus being a heartthrob in hollywood just adds to this like massive amount of power and wealth and influence and you can weaponize that influence against people especially younger women where do you see this going what do you think will happen do you think he's done in hollywood
1: mm, i mean to be honest i only knew him and call me by your name so i don't actually know how successful he is but i mean he you know he was about to shoot a new movie with j-lo i feel like it's a very weird strike to have against your mm. name i think a lot of actors are kind of faced with um maybe like domestic violence strikes against her name we've seen Shia LaBeouf um recently being dropped from a couple movies or like at least the Olivia Wilde movie so I think at least in the short term yes we will see maybe like a shortage a shortage of jobs for him but who knows you know he I wouldn't be surprised that in like five years or something we forget about Mm. it or or is this a little bit more uncommon? You know, cannibalism is a different kettle of fish, I think. Sometimes it's a little bit more outrageous.
0: Yeah, like you said, it's one of our biggest taboos as humans. And, yeah, I think it's not just he's been abusing women. It's like, sadly, abusing women isn't enough to get you, quote, cancelled as a powerful white man which is very sad because obviously we should believe women and they shouldn't be able to earn money or, you know, they should have consequences for their actions. But sadly, that's not the case in many situations. But with this, it's like this is sticking in people's minds because it's so odd and maybe, like you said, that will be kind of what he's marked with. Um, But also it's the post-Me Too era in Hollywood, so who knows? I think we're, we're yet to see the um, ramifications, I think, of post-Harvey Weinstein days.
1: Lana Del Rey, an artist that many of us would have fawned over in our teenage Tumblr days, has been at the receiving end of a lot of criticism over this past year. In the latest drama, Lana revealed her album cover for Chemtrails Over the Country Club, which is a black and white photo of her and her entourage hanging out in vintage attire with an apparent lack of diversity. So Lana released
0: her album on her Instagram and then in a preemptively defensive statement she commented on her own Instagram post and said these are my friends this is my life we are all a beautiful mix of everything some more than others which is visible and celebrated in everything I do in 11 years working I've always been extremely inclusive without even trying to my best friends are rappers my boyfriends have been rappers I also want to say that with everything going on this year and no, this was not intended. These are my best friends since you are asking today. And damn, as it happens when it comes to my amazing friends and this cover, yes, there are people of color on this record's picture. And that's all I'll say about that. But thank you. Ages, <laughs> I knew it. Okay? My, my boyfriends have been rappers, like, honey.
1: You're generalizing. That's hilarious. You could have just said, I know. You didn't even have to say anything. Oh, I know. And then she was interviewed by BBC and she was like, before I even put the album cover up, I knew what people were going to say. And I just said, I've got a lot of issues, but inclusivity ain't one of them. It just isn't. You can't make it my problem. Funnily enough, I saw some comments on like Facebook articles being like, it's her album. She can do whatever she wants. And to some degree, like I agree with her actually because I don't think I would have cared about the lack of diversity especially because it is a group of her closest friends if she hadn't been so defensive about it she's the one that kind of you know put up a front and kind of got very defensive about it you know and I also feel like if she had an album artwork just of her and a bunch of black people on the cover it would have felt mm. performative or just out of the blue, especially for her type of music. And, you know, she's very kind of in that 60s era. Mm. I don't know.
0: Yeah, so she ended the caption saying, I'm not the one storming the Capitol. I'm literally changing the world by putting my life and thoughts and love out there on the table 24-7. Respect it.
1: I can't. I can just imagine her publicist at the moment just clawing out her eyebrows eyebrows clawing out clawing out her eyeball. sorry but anyway that statement that she just made at the end of the caption it just feels so self-absorbed you know she's like I'm the one out here doing the work right the work. but are you doing the work I'm doing the work I know but to be honest it just makes me more worried because I feel like it just accentuates that narrow view of what she thinks racism is you know She mentioned storming the Capitol, so I feel like she's kind of associating racism with just the KKK Mm -hmm. and overt white supremacy. But, you know, racism doesn't take that form all the time. It also takes the form of your complacent friend. It's like the casual racist jokes, the microaggressions that lead into something more, and I just feel like that just hasn't clicked with her. She just, I think she genuinely thinks she's not racist because she doesn't, I don't know say the n-word yeah
0: (laughs) but this also comes after she was called out back in may she do you remember that statement she made like such an awful statement dragging all these other women down mostly women of color by the way Mm -hmm. questioning she said questions for the culture now that doja cat ariana camilla cardi b kalani and Nicki minaj and beyonce have had number ones with songs about being sexy wearing no clothes fucking cheating etc Can I please go back to singing about being embodied, feeling beautiful by being in love, even if the relationship is not perfect or dancing for money or whatever I want without being crucified or saying that I'm glamorizing abuse. I'm fed up with these female writers and alt singers saying that I glamorize abuse when in reality, I'm just a glamorous person singing about the realities of what we are all now seeing a very prevalent, emotionally abusive relationships all over the world. Again, that came out of nowhere. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> and like the fact that she had to drag <laughs> down like seventy five percent of those women um are women of colour, pulling them down and being like, Why are you singing about like sex and cheating, but I
1: can't sing about it? Like mm. oh my god. Getting abused. Like, <laughs> you have so much privilege. Anyway. So a writer for Gaudem, Kaylee Watson, kind of summarized this as well. So They've said the black and white cover of chemtrails over the country club snaps a group of 10 young women. Lana's friends huddled over a gingham cloth table, beaded and dressed to the nines. They are clearly comfortable in each other's company. Lana beans caught mid laugh. The whole scene is rather lovely and her subsequent over explaining unnecessary. On guard after the previous dialogue, the unsolicited over explanation was disrespectful to the highlighted women on the cover. Lana Del Rey fans, poc or not, don't want protestations of innocence. When it comes to race, they want her to use her platform to raise awareness on societal and political injustices for marginalized communities without referencing the issues in context of herself.
0: Yes, I feel like, I hope I'm not generalizing here, but I feel like Lana is a boomer in like a young person's body. She's what like 20, mm. late late 20s, maybe early 30s. But I, Oh, no, no.
1: Isn't she quite is older? She?
0: Maybe she's in her 30s she is 35 okay but still like young So she's She's still a a millennial
1: yeah she's gen x yeah Yeah. um millennial yeah yeah
0: she's like the on the old end of millennial and Mm -hmm. she's acting like it's just ridiculous and also it's not a good album cover it's just a shit it's like it looks like a picture taken at like you know those um car meets or like um retro days or something like people meet up and dress in retro clothes and it was taken at a picnic Mm -hmm. and it should be put on Facebook it doesn't look like the lead single the lead single cover of her new album you know there was an alternate on Twitter that I saw and it was so pretty it was just a film picture of Lana by herself um in front of a blue sky like kind of looking up at her and the sky why didn't you do that instead of like you know, why all these pictures for her friends? I don't understand. But it's also not the first time her art album art has come under fire. Her last single, Let Me Love You Like a Woman, was called out for looking like a 10-year-old made it on Microsoft Paint. Have you seen
1: it? Oh, my God, stop. Wait, what's it called? Let Me Love You Like looking... a Woman. Wait, wait, wait. It actually
0: made me not want to yeah, listen wait. to the song. I was like, oh, oh my goodness. God. Also, it's a very dull song. <laughs> it's so funny. And I think she might have changed it because people were bullying her.
1: Like... I saw so many people on TikTok talking about, like, how bad it is. No, that is not the album cover. Oh, my God. It is something we would have made in, like, grade three when you're feeling kind of emo about your crush, everything about it, the black and white. I I can't. Everyone look it up. Mm. Sorry. Yeah. (gasps) It's also not her. Like, it doesn't scream Linus Mm -hmm. style as well. So very strange. Okay
0: this conversation is kind of plays into cancel culture and can we separate the art from the artist? So I want to know, do you still listen to Lana? And then when celebrity news comes out, like things like this, do you ever stop listening to artists because you don't agree with their views?
1: That's a good question and something I think I don't have a definitive answer on. I think I'll keep changing my mind and that's okay. So at the moment, no, I don't think I'll listen to Lana anymore just because I can't separate it. Yeah, I stopped listening to Ziggy Alberts um, when it turned out he was a COVID conspiracist and whatever. Um because I think this, again, in this day and age of social media, it's very hard. There's not that separation between, like, the art and the artist a lot of the time. Like, you have access to the person. And a lot of the time, you know, Lana sings about her life experiences. It's very personal to her. So, you know, in that regard, I won't be supporting her music. But on the other hand, when a lot of the things came out about JK Rowling being a turf, um, a lot of the trans community were like, there was good discourse on it being like if her books brought you a lot of joy um, when you were younger and you still want to kind of relish in that, that's your call. Like you can still do that. It doesn't have to be ruined just because of the person. So that's kind of how I feel. Like if, if you, if I don't know, if you want to like, I don't, I don't even know how to describe that.
0: No, I feel the same. Like her music. So I was, 15 16 in like 2011 12 um and she was just huge like and all of her song all of her songs like mostly her most famous singles I guess do have a lot of memories for me of being a teenager growing up in suburbia um kind of that escapism vibe so yeah I think I will still listen to her music and controversial but I actually have really enjoyed her new single it's the first single that I've liked in probably a couple years um, mm. of hers. So I'm not going to stand her as much as I used to when I was a teenager, but I think I still will listen to her music.
1: That's good. I I, I like that point.
0: Maggie, what have you been enjoying this week?
1: Yeah, while I've been moving, I haven't really been um, consuming that much content, but I do have a rush print Subscription. So I was, I'm quite behind in my readings, but I was reading a great article in print and I want to recommend it. You can read it digitally, which will be linked below as always. So it's called Where the Light Gets In Understanding Joy and How to Find It. And it's by Ella Jane. So it was a really lovely read. It's beautifully written and it was very visceral as well. I feel like Rush have a really distinct style of writing that's very quite visual and quite just beautiful. Like it's actually um like almost, almost poetic, I would say. Um, And it was very nice. So this one was all about joy, which was like the theme of the issue. And um Ella kind of explored the science slash spirituality and philosophy of joy. I feel like after the year of 2020, I think we are all recalibrating what joy means to us and what it looks like. And I just found this quite a nice piece to go into 2021 with. So I'll read out a little extract from the piece. Actually, it's quite a long one because I really liked quite a few paragraphs. So hang in there. While we are still existing within the arc of COVID-19, it's difficult to imagine truly how our perspective on positive emotion as a whole might have warped under the pressure of the entire ordeal. Will we come out the other end tarnished or will our lens of joy be reshaped and remoulded? Recast with softened edges that give way to the joyfulness we've tried to pluck out from the ridges of despair, polish off and crystallise into new meaning, a meaning that asks, how do you keep yourself from living the way you want to live? What the pandemic has taught me, however, is how to find joy in liminal space, the waiting, the wondering and the being. It's a quiet kind of joy that speaks in whispers, not unbridled, not ecstatic, an ember of thought for grounding's sake. Humble joy experience in the obvious moments of acknowledging you still have your health your home perhaps your job notice in the instances where we might otherwise slip into hopelessness look for it in the cracks between your consciousness search for it between the swaths of mundanity Conjure it on a Monday morning when you get out of bed at 11 a.m. and walk to buy a coffee, softening to the knowledge that our understanding of time intersects with our obsession with productivity and without either, you're just a jumble of atoms piled into a skin suit looking to pour hot acidic liquid into yourself. Wow. I love that. You can read to me every night. That will be a nice way to fall asleep, <laughs> record
0: an audiobook. Um, but that's such a beautiful piece and I feel like oh, it just sums mm. up those feelings so well. I've really been pushing myself this year too, which is kind of ironic and pushing myself, but kind of trying <laughs> to re- retrain my brain, I guess, to still, I enjoy being productive, but if I'm not immediately productive mm. and I just want to go for a walk and get a coffee and that's all I do that day is like great as well because we are just... Skin suits walking around.
1: <laughs> I really enjoy that there have been more kind of casual conversations and content that mm. criticizes capitalism I guess and even the idea of dream jobs. Um, so for instance I feel like this article ties really nicely into some other content I've been consuming like the movie Soul which you recommended last week that's on Disney Plus and that was incredible. I watched it last night um, and also I'm obsessed with Emma Chamberlain the YouTuber. Um, I always feel weird being obsessed with someone younger than me. Um, She's 19 years old, but she's got a podcast called Whatever I Want. It's a very fun and enjoyable listen for me. It's nothing groundbreaking. And I think I only really enjoy it because I really enjoy her. Um, But her last episode was called Success. And I really like that she is someone who has achieved you know, so many traditional measures of success. She's probably one of the most famous YouTubers. I don't know how many millions of subscribers, but millions of them. And what she talked about was that when she's hit really big milestones in her career, right, you know, perhaps reaching her first million subscribers or working with a major brand, she says that she's almost numb to it. So she was talking about how she thought she would experience this new emotion or feel different in some regard but you know she didn't and like I think that's so true I think we kind of hype up our goals sometimes and sometimes at least for me when I hit it I just feel Mm. numb and I just feel like oh okay Mm -hmm. what's the next thing or I realize that it doesn't give me happiness and I think I really want to retrain the way I look and feel about happiness and joy and where to find it yeah yeah this is kind of a different topic now, but I also think, I wonder how much
0: this plays into like self-promo on the internet because I know that if I reach a milestone, I want to share it with my friends and family, right? And also people who follow me who I'm not particularly friends with just because that's what you do on social media. But then if I do hit that, then I feel like I'm bragging and like, I'm like, oh, who am I to, to do this or say this or be excited for myself I mean I could just keep I do keep things to myself when I reach certain milestones mm. I don't post everything online but yeah that kind of like tall poppy syndrome we have especially in Australia I think I love it when people like self-promo and say they've achieved this and they've achieved that because it's like mm. go you like I want to you know cheer people on and but I get paranoid that people think I'm bragging too much anyway that's probably a different topic. Mm.
1: No, but that's so warranted Um, and I think I very much fall into the category of, um, you know, loving when seeing other mm. people, when I see other people achieve milestones, you know, when they get that job or they write for that publication that I never feel that twinge of, oh, my God, you're self-absorbed. Why are you sharing that? I almost feel like, especially with Instagram, it's just a platform where that stuff is built mm. on. Like I almost expect it, right? But I don't know if it's just because I've spent so many years on it and doing that, that I'm desensitized. Yeah. Or like, I don't even think that. And I'm quite like, you know, I'd get that worry when I'm changing a DP on Facebook. But when I'm sharing my own work, it's almost like, oh, that's my work. That's not mm. me as well. So it's like, okay, I'm sharing this. Yeah. It's you know, Like You are not your content. Mm. And Jasmine, yes. What are you recommending for this week?
0: So I have another Disney Plus recommendation this week, which is um, kind of unexpected, but I... Sponsor us. No, please. Um, I started the series WandaVision this week and I'm obsessed. So I'm not normally a huge Marvel superhero fan. I think I've only seen Iron Man when I was like 12. Like I've not watched The Avengers. I'm like just not in that world at all. But I saw the trailer for the show and it's much more my cup of tea. So it stars Paul Bettany as a superhero named Vision who is a robot but can turn human form Mm. and his wife Wanda who is played by Mary-Kate and Ashley's little sister Elizabeth Olsen. Oh,
1: yes. Uh, I, like, almost forgot they had a sister, (laughs) sorry. Continue.
0: (laughs) I was wondering when I was going to say, I was wondering if you'd be like, oh, my God, she's got a sister. (laughs) So Wanda has superpowers um, including, you know, Telekinesis being able to move objects and she's able to rewind time. The first episode is set in the 1950s and it's really similar to sitcoms of that time. So you've got like Bewitched, I Dream of Jeannie, those really like old school kind of dramas. It so because of that, these first few episodes have been very, it's very heteronormative, very domestic. You're dealing with your nosy neighbors, um, job promotions, but Instead of just, it's kind of like bewitched in that way of they're a normal couple trying to fit into the neighborhood, but they're superheroes instead of witches. Um, they're trying to conceal their powers. So it's really cute and funny at first, but then as the episode goes on, you begin to realize that everything is not what it seems. Ooh! So I've only watched two episodes because it's released weekly. They released two in a row, and then from now on, it'll be every Friday until the start of March. Mm. Um, But it's really, really captivated me. I'm really enjoying it. Um, I think I'm probably missing things, and, like, these characters are probably – like, people might know these characters already because, Mm. according to Google, it's meant to take place after the – um avengers endgame movie and these have been featured in other comics and movies before so to me it's new but yeah i'm really enjoying it i think because rather than just being like we're superheroes and we're saving the world and we're fighting the bad guys it's a homage to sitcoms throughout the decades so it's really like tickling my media and history brain So, I have no idea how they're going to get there. I mean, Wanda can change time. So, I'm assuming they're going to be jumping through time. But um, in the trailer, you see the characters set in the 70s and the 80s and in the present day. So, I'm really looking forward to seeing how they'll get there and what this series will be about. There's kind of like a spooky theme going through it as well that is really mysterious. So, yeah, I'd recommend that if you can watch it.
1: I am so excited. Oh, my goodness. I've heard quite a bit about this, but I didn't actually know set in different decades and things like that, and I think that's really quite, like, new and fresh for Avengers. I do enjoy Marvel films and things like that. I've probably seen most of them, um, and that's really fun. So Wanda and Vision were in, like, the last Avengers movie as well, so I've kind of seen a sneak peek of them, so I'm excited to hear more about their backstory. Um, that's that's cool. cool. I'm glad it's got your ticket of approval. I said that every time you recommend something. I just realized. But I was thinking about whether or not to watch it, but now you've sold mm-hmm. me completely. So yay.
0: Yeah. I'm so excited now to have like a, a show I'm really kind of excited about. And I think having the suspense of having to wait every week, like yeah. rather than this binge culture, it's like working towards something. Every Friday like, I can look forward to my superhero comic book show all right well it's been a big episode this week we will be back in your ears next week
1: yes we'll be releasing an episode a day early on january the 25th to make space for invasion day on january 26th
0: if you've liked what you've heard this week then pop over to the apple podcast app and if you could leave a little review and a rate that would be super helpful to us and we would appreciate it a lot you can also follow us on Instagram at Culture Club Pod as well.
1: Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.